We're continuing in our study in Paul's letter to the Colossians. Uh, We're in chapter 4. The end is in sight. Uh, We're up to verse 6, but uh, I'd like to read from verse 2. Please follow along uh, as I read aloud. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be your way with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we can meet in this very simple way in the middle of our week to study your word. We pray now that you would give us a clarity of thought. Uh, we pray uh, that your Holy Spirit would help us understand uh, our text tonight. I pray that he would challenge us and we ask for grace uh, to go from here and apply what we learn. We thank you for your son, our saviour. We thank you for his Death upon the cross, we thank you for his shed blood that washes away our sins, and we thank you that he rose again from the dead. It's in his name we pray these things. Amen. Let your speech be always with grace. It's a heavy command, isn't it? It really presses on us. Let your speech be always with grace. Uh, We live in a world that doesn't help us with this, don't we? Uh, Grace and communication is not particularly prized. Uh, We actually live in an age where it's glaringly absent. Uh, We don't see it very much in our political discourse. We don't see it much in the media. It's certainly not an outstanding feature of social media. On the contrary, when it comes to politics, when it comes to what the media churns out on a daily basis, we see vitriol and sanctimony and spite and vulgarity. Uh, This is not a political statement, just a simple observation. We live at a time where the most powerful man in the world is famous for publicly insulting people and organisations. We wake up wondering what outlandish thing he said or tweeted while we were asleep. Uh, Who's been branded a liar or a slimeball or dumb or fake today? Now, I don't think the man in question is necessarily responsible for degrading our political discourse. Rather, I think he simply reflects it. Uh, This is where we're at as a society. We've fallen so far when it comes to our speech and a lack of grace, even a lack of common decency and respect. In the last 10 years, uh, we've seen the rise of social media. It's now one of the primary ways people communicate with each other and with the wider world. And I think it's safe to say that it's a, a medium that doesn't especially encourage graciousness. In fact, it probably uh, moves people in the other direction. Uh, There are things people 
might not say verbally to another person or about another person, which they feel enabled to say uh, by email or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp or Snapchat or a whole bunch of other social media platforms. Now, I use social media. I think it can be of real benefit. Yet, and yet, sorry, it is the arena where snark and criticism and nastiness flourish. But it's not just in the political sphere or in the world of social media. It's, it's in our ordinary day-to-day communication with one another that we feel the weight of this text. It's in our workplace. It's in our home, uh, with our church family. Uh, even today, we've probably lacked grace in some of our uh, communication. Uh, we uh, growled at the kids when we shouldn't have. Uh, we were sharp with our spouse Uh, We complained about something and so on. We can be harsh and cutting with our words. Our anger or our annoyance spills over out of our mouths and towards the ones we love the most. We might have a legitimate and necessary criticism to make or correction to give, but we can do it gracelessly. We make jokes we shouldn't make. We say things about uh, people behind their backs we shouldn't say. It's a... It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. James, the brother of our Lord, said, if a, if a man is able not to offend with his mouth, he is a mature man and he's able to control his whole body. Let your speech be your way with grace. I have a very simple lesson to bring to you tonight. We're going to consider our text under three headings. Uh, Number one, the scope. Number two, the salt. And then number three, the result. The scope, the salt, and the result. I, I couldn't quite get the alliteration going. Anyway, first of all, the scope. As we've already noted, this command is about our speech and I think it's appropriate to take this in the sense of all of our communication and not just the words that come out of our mouths. This includes what we write in letters and emails and text messages, uh, what we post on social media, if that's something that we use. This is a a far-reaching command. There are two words in in the verse that rule out any exceptions, uh, always and every. These can be scary words, can't they? Always and every. Let your speech, your communication be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. There is no place. There is no circumstance. There is no occasion. There is no person where we are free to communicate without grace. We can sometimes make excuses. Uh, we can think to ourselves, uh, I'm in pain, so I can, I can let it all out. I can swear or curse, I can express my frustrations, I can say whatever I, I like, I'm hurting, I'm in pain. And we justify the unchristian things that come out of our mouths. At other times we can think, uh, I'm being persecuted I'm being treated badly, and so it's okay if I give it right back. I I don't have to be gracious with my words. They're not with me. I can be angry and cutting. All all bets are off. Or perhaps it goes like this. I'm in private. 
just me and my spouse or me and my mates. And so a different standard applies. We can uh, share the odd joke that's on the borderline. We can make fun of other people. We can be critical and harsh. It's, it's okay. I'm in pain. I'm being persecuted or I'm in private. Excuses that we make, but excuses that are not valid. Let your speech be always with grace. And the reason Paul says this is because we're always new creatures in Christ. (laughs) The old man is dead. uh, We've seen that in this epistle. And we're to put off his way of speaking and put on Jesus' way of speaking. We're always in Christ. And we're always his representatives. You know, I admit there are times uh, when I've been tired and frustrated, disappointed and angry. And uh, I've stood in my kitchen uh, with my wife and, uh, as it were, vomited up all of these awful words about some person. You know, harsh, judgmental, condemning words, uh, sentiments without a skerrick of grace. And immediately I've been smitten inside and I've said almost straight away, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Even if everything I said was true about that person, you know, I knew those words should not have come out of my mouth and really they shouldn't have been in my heart in the first place. There's no excuse, it's wrong. As one who has received the immeasurable grace of God in Jesus Christ, how can I be so graceless in my speech and in my attitudes towards a fellow sinner? And perhaps you've had the same experience. You've opened your mouth and immediately regretted what came out of it. In fact, I hope you've had that experience. Uh, that's evidence of divine grace at work in your life. That's, that's evidence of growth. I realise I have not yet defined this word grace in our text. And uh, I don't need to spend too much time doing that because I think we mostly know what it means. We, we know what it is to communicate with grace. It is to speak graciously, to be generous and kind as opposed to being harsh and critical. It's being gentle, encouraging and, and considerate of others. Uh, sometimes it means saying nothing at all. Again, we can uh, draw a line back to Jesus and the way he spoke. Uh, there's our example. As the, uh, the Apostle John tells us, he was full of grace. Now, I've talked about some of the excuses we make for not always speaking with grace. And uh, before we move on to our next heading, I want to talk for a moment about some of the situations where we struggle to speak with Grace. Uh, these are situations that perhaps we need to pay particular uh, attention to. Uh, the first occasion is when we have to defend someone or defend the gospel. When the reputation of a loved one is being trashed and we need to speak up on their behalf, uh, it's not easy to do that with grace, is it? Normally we're stirred up inside... Uh, the red mist descends, and we just want to let fly. But even in that situation, we have to speak calmly, respectfully, factually, and without stooping to insults. We can't be provoked into a sinful response. We, we don't defend our loved ones well when we don't speak with grace. 
The same applies when we're called on to defend the faith, when we get into an apologetic discussion and we're pressed about the existence of God or we're mocked for believing what the Bible says on certain issues. I find it hard in those interactions not to become argumentative. (laughs) Those discussions can get quite heated quite Quickly, the tone of voice goes up a bit, the volume goes up a bit, you start cutting the other person off, it gets quite tense. I'm I'm sure you've, uh, you've been there. The Apostle Peter talks about exactly this in the verse we all know, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready to give an answer, that is be ready to make your apologia, your reason, defence of the faith, and do so with gentleness and respect. Let your speech be always with grace. Just as an aside, I think part of this is knowing when to uh, shake hands and walk away. I've learned over the years that you can get to a point where there is no point. And and sometimes you get there very quickly. It's not a discussion. There isn't a genuine desire to interact or to learn. And you just need to let that person know that Jesus loves them, that you'll always be available to talk and then respectfully uh, close off the conversation. If if we've spoken some truth to them, then we pray for them and we we trust that the Holy Spirit will work in their lives. Uh, Prolonged arguments that go nowhere are unhelpful. They they leave us uh, feeling awful. We struggle to speak with grace when we have to defend someone or defend the faith. We also struggle when we have to decline. Uh, That is, decline a request or decline an invitation when we, we have to say no to someone. Sometimes we're not very good at this. Uh, We speak without taking into consideration the feelings of the other person. Uh, They might have invested a lot of time and effort. They might have sincerely wanted us to be a part of something or, or to do something for us and we can really hurt them if we're abrupt or tactless in our response. We we have to be careful about this because these are the kinds of little hurts that can cause division and disunity within the family of God. A third situation where we often struggle to speak with grace is when we disagree. And uh, this is a big one, especially in the context of a church family. Uh, Sometimes we're going to disagree on how things should be done. Uh, We're going to disagree on things that we hold dear. Uh, We might even disagree with what we're taught from the pulpit from time to time. But the mere fact that we disagree is not a license to speak without grace. We can develop this mindset, perhaps without realising it, that because I disagree, I am at liberty to speak my mind. I am permitted to be sharp or critical. I I don't have to uh, observe common courtesy or respect. We have to be careful that we don't think this way. And and, and we also have to realise that just because we disagree with something that's said or the way something is done, it doesn't automatically follow that we're obliged to say something. (laughs) This is another aspect of letting our speech be your way with grace. Uh, Sometimes it means smiling and letting the matter pass. It's not what I believe. It's not the way I would do it. But hey, I'm I'm not going to make a fuss. 
It's okay. You know, I have great respect for people who disagree with me or who disagree with what our church teaches on certain secondary matters, but who are gracious, gracious, who are encouraging and edifying in their communication. That's a blessing and it's, it's good for the body. How well do you disagree? Does our grace go out the window? It's a struggle sometimes, isn't it? This is the scope of our text, and don't be concerned, the next two points are quite a bit shorter. Secondly, we come to the salt. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. What does this mean? Well, the difficulty in in interpreting this lies in the fact that this is the only time Paul uses this particular expression. It's actually the only time Paul mentions salt in all of his letters. So we don't have a a natural cross-reference that sheds light on this. Uh, In the New Testament, only Jesus and James use salt as a a metaphor. They were brothers, that's interesting. Uh, Ye are the salt of the earth, Jesus said. Uh, so can uh, no fountain both yield salt water and fresh, James wrote in chapter 3 of his epistle. I've read a bunch of commentaries on our text here in Colossians and there are probably two or three main ideas that scholars put forward. I won't run through them tonight, but uh, based on my reading, uh, I think the idea is actually pretty simple. To be seasoned with salt carries the idea of being tasteful. Let your speech be tasteful. Now salt, particularly in the ancient world, was used to preserve and to cleanse. Uh, Tasteful food is clean. It's not rotten. It's not off, except perhaps for blue cheese. (laughs) We've got some blue cheese aficionados here tonight, but that's another story. Tasteful food is clean. Tasteful speech, speech seasoned with salt is clean. It's not smutty or vulgar or rude. It's not inappropriate. And salt also adds flavour. It enhances, it blesses, it makes our food taste good. And so does communication like this. It's, It's good, it's edifying. If I really had to nail down what the salt is a reference to, I would say that it's wisdom. But Paul has just said, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. And that means being wise in our communication, being clean and careful and considerate. We, we think before we speak, we exercise our mind that is being renewed, we bring the wisdom of God to bear upon our communication. I look at my text messages on my phone, I look at my Facebook page or my Twitter feed or my email account, and then I look over at my Bible and I think... I think, wouldn't that make a difference? I think, I conclude, maybe I shouldn't say that, or maybe I should, or maybe I should say it differently. Now, I'm about to meet a person with whom I haven't always seen eye to eye, and before I open my mouth, I think, and uh, maybe even pray a quick 
prayer. At all times, I work really hard to do what James said, to be quick to hear and slow to speak. This is all what it means to have our speech seasoned with salt. Uh, You know, this is pouring the wisdom of God all over our communication, just as one would, you know, shake the salt on the stake. And when we do, Paul tells us what will happen. Now, the last part of the verse expresses the consequence or the result. And this is our third and final heading. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. Now, speaking for myself, uh, I want to know how to answer every man. <laughs> I want to know what to say and how to say it in every situation. And particularly in those situations that are difficult or sensitive or when I'm communicating with someone as a pastor. Uh, whenever I have a, a pastoral visit with a person, I always pray before I get out of the car, you know, Lord, help me. And sometimes it's, Lord, help me not to say something dumb. <laughs> I'm sure you feel the same way. You want to know how you ought to answer every man. You don't want to say dumb, hurtful things. The key is pouring in the salt, the wisdom of God. When our mind is being renewed by the word and the spirit, we will know what to say. We will be ready to give an answer with gentleness and respect. Our mouths get us in a lot of trouble. Uh, There is no doubt that our speech is not yet what it ought to be, but there is hope and there is help. We have the wisdom of God before us in the scripture and we have the spirit of God living within us. It's also true that there is nothing quite like our speech that can encourage and bless and do good. There is nothing quite like our speech that can make us stand out in this world for our Lord Jesus. And may the weight of this command press in on us. And may we, with God's help, go from here and do our utmost to put it into practice. Let your speech be oil with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Amen.